Hello and welcome to another episode of the Celtic View podcast. I'm Celtic View reporter Tony Conley and I'll be your host this week. Don't worry though, you won't have to listen to just my voice for the entirety of this because I'm joined by Celtic View editor Paul Cuddehy. Good to be here Tony. And also joining us this week is Celtic's head of digital marketing and podcast regular Craig Johnson. Hi Tony, good to see you. Now, much has happened since the last pod, so we'll discuss recent events and we'll look ahead to this week's Europa League group stage game against Austrian champions Red Bull Salzburg. We'll also preview this weekend's game, which offers travelling hoops fans the chance to take in all the spectacular sights that the A9 has to offer with St. Johnson lying in wait in what will be the second meeting between the two sides inside two weeks. But first off, let's look back to the weekend's game where Celtic continued their strong record against title rivals Aberdeen with a 1-0 win. Celtic again, down the right flank now. Forrest takes up the play, Lustig tries to drag. Try Stephen out of possession, position. The ball, Forrest, Forrest cuts it across to the edge of the six-yard box. Griffiths challenged by Logan. But oh! Sinclair, what a cheeky goal! Out of nothing, that's improvisation. Sinclair races away, the ball broke. Logan and Griffiths were fighting for it, but it was back heel from Scott Sinclair. A wonder goal, it's 1 0. Fantastic improvisation from Scott Sinclair. I thought we'd lost the opportunity when the ball fell to Lee, and he couldn't quite get it, but it fell nicely for Scott. He had all everything to do, but just came up with that little bit of invention, that little bit of skill. Now, you may have heard Paul's commentary in the game there, and Paul, you were, as you do every week, commentating on that game, although some fans might have noticed that you're no longer in your usual commentary position outside in the, the main stand. No, I was just sitting out in the cold myself, writing the match report, while Paul and Tom Boyd were basking in the superior view and warmth of the gantry above, where pies and hot drinks were bought to them on can demand. Can, so, I, can I just say, I'm, I'm still outside, but just because we're up higher, <laughs> it doesn't mean that we're not outside. <laughs> Technically colder that's, as well. That's a bit harsh. Well, well, pies and hot drinks were still brought to you, I, I don't they get were, that. Yeah. Waiter service. Well, you've got to keep the talent happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Paul, what were your thoughts on, on the game? Um, I mean, I thought we played better, certainly, I, I actually think the, the better the opposition, I think the better that we play, so I th Aberdeen, you know, certainly one of the better teams in the league, have been our nearest challengers over the last four years, I thought they played well, I thought they came and, and maybe were a wee bit more, I'm not sure if adventurous is the right word, but they certainly were a bit more on the front foot than we've maybe seen them in previous games, sometimes I, I get the feeling that they kind of surrender three quarters of the pitch to us, and inevitably we end up winning the game, whereas I think they, particularly with Niall McGinn on the right and Gary Mackay-Steven, who in the first half gave us a few problems, they did well, but I thought we played better, I thought there was the, the passing was quicker, I liked the movement amongst the, the front three, I mean Dermot Park, Odson Edward kind of hugged that left touchline, but you saw he kept coming inside, James Forrest was coming inside, there was a lot more movement and I think that was causing Aberdeen problems. Um, Obviously, it took a, a special goal uh, to win the game, ultimately. Um, I, I thought over the piece, we, we deserved the win. It sounded like you enjoyed that goal. I enjoy every every <laughs> goal, but I just think the... I just love that idea. I mean, that's just an instinctive mm -hmm. finish from somebody, just that bit of impetuous skill. And it was going to take something like that because Aberdeen were quite resolute in defence. I mean, they, they do clear their lines quite well on their goalkeeper. They've got a decent goalkeeper. So it was always going to take something a bit special. But And, and you're obviously pleased... Or Scott Sinclair as well, Absolutely, you know, and you could yeah. see from his reaction just what it meant to him. 
Craig, you watched the, the game as well. Scott Sinclair getting a goal, another clean sheet and some signs of uh, improvement as well, what the manager was looking for in the, the final third. What did you think of the game? Yeah, I thought um, I thought it was a good start. James Forrest just shooting over um, just early doors. There was uh, some great link-up play there. And like you are saying, Paul, there was a lot of kind of fluidity about the front three. And Edward getting more and more involved, kind of that shot that came off the post. And I think that's maybe shown us shown a sign that the the team's starting to learn to play with Lee Griffiths as a focal point, and maybe make up for any deficiencies he has in that position because it's not really, uh, uh, he haven't really played off of him very much going pa- going over the past two years. It's been very much playing off um, Dembele or Edward up front. So the fact we're playing off Griffiths and getting Edward more involved, getting Forrest more involved, it seems to seems to be gelling a little bit more. It started gelling at, at St Johnston, like you said, and it started to to kind of move forward that way. I think. I am. Um, it it seemed to me. Uh, obviously, we had the Edward shot off the post, which which I thought was going in. And um, we were sitting behind the goal. I thought it was a great position to see that bending towards the back of the net. Um, but I thought it was kind of maybe a bit of a subdued start. The the atmosphere seemed a bit subdued, and whether that was just tension and that um, like a Celtic Aberdeen game is usually the crowd's usually up for it. It's usually people firing in the tackles early on. But it just seemed a little bit, not so much flat, but more subdued and tense. But it really, I thought it took that um, McKenna, we won't call it tackle, McKenna's slip to... Um, to S- the a slip? <laughs> mistime tackle. Um, to really get things going, that kind of got the crowd up. It got the crowd feeling a sense of injustice. It kind of got um, the, kinda, um, the Celtic players up a little bit more. Sort of Brown, Griffiths were in the face of the referee. And I think... I think it just seemed to be the catalyst for certainly the start of the second half coming out a little bit, a little bit more, um, probably playing a little bit quicker. I'm not sure you can call a waist high, scything down of a player who's supposed to have injured to be a mistimed tackle. I was because uh, we were in that vantage point and Tom Boyd and I in the commentary, and then obviously in real time we thought it was a certainly thought it was a foul. Mm-hmm. Then when you see the replays, it was extraordinary that a we didn't get a foul. It's mm. debatable whether it was on the line or it was in yes, the box or a penalty. Yeah. And it was a, it, then the debate is was it a yellow or a red card, but the fact that the Aberdeen I think got a, was a goal kick out of it. Was, yes, <laughs> was just unbelievable. Yet Scottish referee in bad performance shocker. <laughs> Doesn't but happen often. An important three points though, and and it's uh, hopefully Celtic building a, a bit momentum now. And that was a big game. Aberdeen have been Celtic's title rivals for a, a number of years now, and the Celtic were by far the the, the better team, although the, the win didn't come easy. Uh, yeah, I thought, like Paul was saying, Aberdeen did all right. They, um, there was a couple of efforts from uh, Gary McKay-Steven. There was one from um, James Wilson. That's where Craig Gordon can underline his importance. He doesn't have a lot to do in, in games, but it's that level of concentration. It's that ability to pull out a save. I thought Boyata was brilliant at the back. He just um, swept up everything. Whenever um, Aberdeen got in behind, he was there kind of eats up eats up ground so quickly um, that they kind of um, nips any counter-attacks in the bud. And obviously, like we were saying earlier, Scott Sinclair's goal was just um, just brilliant. Just um, truly beautiful, truly magical, <laughs> as they say. Are you going to give us a song? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not with my voice. But but it took that it took that little bit of brilliance and it, and it looked like... One of the things was that James Forrest, I think, committed Constantine for the first time. He went at him, and if you commit players, it creates that space for others. And um, Constantine, I think, played him quite well in that game. He was quite solid, but the minute he got past him, put that cross in, puts that uncertainty in the defence, and then it took that moment of brilliance from Scott Sinclair. Yeah, because I never, I never think 
when I watch Aberdeen that Considine's their best left back. I mean, yeah. I know Shinny plays in the middle of the park just to give them a wee bit of solidity. Mm-hmm. But I always think he's a better left back. I think he's a bit wasted in that midfield at times. Although there was that bizarre thing, I don't, again, from our sort of bird's eye view, when the, he gets the instructions passed on the second oh, half yes. and the Celtic the players steal it and then have a look <laughs> at the... Never, I'm never quite sure whether... Because once the player... I always think it's bizarre because the player who gets the instructions reads it, but then he still has to do what the manager would have done anyway, which is then have to uh-huh. shout to... Unless it's something really specific to that that mm-hmm. particular player. Because it's quite... Cause I'm more old-fashioned. You'd think the player that comes on has the instructions. He goes and tells the other players of where they're meant to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just seems... Yeah, it seems extra work for Graham Shinney in the centre of midfield to read it, to decipher the notes and then to... To actually put them into play, it seems a little bit counterproductive. Yeah, unless it's just like a wee note saying you're doing really well, well done. Or maybe it was subterfuge. <laughs> Keep it up, ah, yeah. Aye. <laughs> a um, now you're mentioning James Forrest uh, in, in the game there. Uh, the day before the game against Aberdeen, he actually signed a new contract, a new four-year contract, pledging his long-term future to the club. Um, James spoke immediately following his uh, contract signing to uh, Celtic TV and here's a wee snippet of that interview. James, congratulations, a new four-year deal. You remain at Celtic. Congratulations, you must be delighted. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted. Uh, for the first moment I knew that Celtic wanted to extend my deal. Uh, I knew that's what I wanted to do and there's, there's no other place for me and, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing to, to, to be here for uh, another few years. Well, this takes you through, I mean, it'll, you'll be here 20 years at the club, not many players, in fact, I can't think of any players nowadays in the modern game that stay at the same club for 20 years. What is it about Celtic that just keeps you here? Yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable uh, when you think of it like that, but c- coming through the youth, like, all you want to do is that you, you want to make your debut in the first team and... Uh, you do that and you, you, can, you can never think I'm going to play as, as many games as I have but as I said I'm, I'm still 27 I, I want to just keep keep working hard and, and uh, keep playing as many games and, and contribute as much as I can uh, to, to this club I presume though you wouldn't be doing it as a professional athlete if you didn't think that you know, A, you were developing as a footballer and B, you could achieve things here so I presume those two boxes are ticked for you Yeah, 100% you know how big Celtic is over the world, like uh, every year, but it's, it's high pressure games. Every game you play, like you're going for trophies, you're going for cups and leagues, and try to get in the Champions League. So it's it's unbelievable. And as I said, as a player, like uh, every new manager that comes in, like you're always you always try to better yourself. And uh, as I said, like keep working hard. And as I said, I'm I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to, to be here. And uh, yeah. You're always seen as kind of like the, the baby-faced member of the squad, but this contract will take you into your into your 30s. You'll soon be the elder statesman. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's scary, as I said. I've been here since I was a wee boy. It's it's, it's been my full life, and as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted. And uh, Yeah, I just I just want to stay here for, for as long as I can and, and, uh, and, yeah, and, and keep contributing. I think I'm right in saying 14 domestic medals you've won here at, at, at Celtic. Um, looking back, are there any particular highlights for you? There's been so many. Yeah, that's, it's hard that people have asked that before, but as I said, I think the, the, always the next one you win, you, you always really appreciate it, and you don't want to take nothing for granted because it's, it's hard winning, as I said, like leagues and, and leagues and cups. So every time you win one, you get excited, you're, you're buzzing, and you just want to keep working hard, and you get hungry to win more. And uh, as I said, like I'm here for another four years, and that's what I want to keep doing. You're an example to any young Celtic player who's in the, the academy system. What, what would you say to, to those boys and girls? No, just uh, 
the academy set up and uh, when you're coming for the youth it's, it's unbelievable and as I said like every year like, you just work hard and I think you've seen the past managers everyone gets a chance like every youth player like does get that chance and when they do they just need to try and take it and as I said it's, there's nothing better than, than coming through and, and playing for this great club and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great journey. You played under Neil Lennon, of course, and Ronnie Dyla, and then you know Brendan Rodgers. What has what has the current manager said to you about what he expects from you over the next two or three seasons? Yeah, no, he, he's not said much. Like since he came in, he's been he's been really positive. Uh, like two years ago, and as I said, he's, he's been really good for me personally and for the full team, as you, as you can see with, with the results and everything on the park. So as I said, like yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm desperate to stay here and, and uh, yeah, just just keep working hard and, and, and just keep going for more for more trophies. Do, do you feel as if that, that because you've been here so long that you have got an extra responsibility now in, in helping any new players coming in settle? Yeah, no, I think uh, our changing room is, uh, we've got a good changing room, like any new player that comes, I think they settle in pretty quickly because we've got a, got a good bunch of lads and, and uh, I think that definitely helps new signings coming in and, and make them comfortable to play in, uh, like the, the way we do and as I said, we, we've got a really good squad and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good change room, so no, I think that, I think that does help. Well, well done James, we look forward to seeing you here for a bit longer yet. Thank you, no buzzing. That was uh, James Forrest speaking to us immediately, signing his new contract. And Paul, you spoke to James uh, just after that. And um, w what did you uh, what did you talk about when you were you were speaking to him? I mean, it would, it would be no surprise to learn that he did say he was buzzing <laughs> the, the fact he signed his new contract. But I, I, what is incredible is the fact that he's been almost twenty years at the club. I mean, I think he was about nine when he first came into the academy setup, and he's I mean, it's all he's ever known. And I, I think even he starts to think now, I mean, he's 27 now, so he's still in the prime of his career. Mm. So he's starting to think of how long how, how long this journey's been. But I think he is, a, you know, a bit like Callum McGregor and Kieran Tierney. I think it's important for us with our academy setup to have players who've shown that there is a pathway into the first team. You know, there's been plenty of players over the years that have had that chance, and it's something that he said that you do get your chance here. And then once you do get your chance it's important that you take it. And and the first hurdle is to, to get into the first team to make your debut, but then it's probably even harder to, to remain there. So I, I think he was talking about, you know, the fact that at the time he was, I think Neil Lennon had just taken over and Neil Lennon worked with him in the development mm -hmm. squad before that. So he was aware of, of his talent and I think that kind of helped him as well because he'd been on the bench a few times when Tony Mowbray was in charge but hadn't got on. So I think Neil Lennon kind of introduced him into the team so he was a real boost to him um, but as I think it's incredible that he's he's been here for, for so long and, and certainly over the last couple of years under Brendan Rodgers he's really not only just I think flourished as a player but just even that consistency of of selection because maybe in the past he's, he's suffered from injuries it's maybe he's he's not been able to get a run of games and, and that momentum um, but I think he's now got that. And I think, he, for me, he plays in the hardest position in the Celtic team. I always think that if you're one of the, the wingers at Celtic, it's the toughest position. Mm. Probably in any team, because you're you're the flair player. You're expected to get the ball, dribble, either go to the, the touchline, cut the ball into the box, or beat two or three players. And it's actually impossible to do that every time. So as a result, when you don't do it, that's maybe when you get you know the criticism from the, from the stands. So you, I think you need a special... To have a special character and that kind of 
willingness to just take the ball again, even if you're going to lose it again. And I think he's got that. He's quite quiet. But I think when he's on the park, he's obviously got that confidence. And mm-hmm. several managers over the years have seen what he's able to do. And, and I think we're, we've, over the last couple of years, we've really got the best out of him. Craig, you've been at the, the club a number of years as well. So, you, you, admittedly, you've not broken into the first team quite like James <laughs> I'm Forrest. Still but waiting for the call. You've uh, you've watched his, his journey down, over hard. those years, and he's he's now one of the most decorated players in the, in the squad, and he's going to be here for a, a number of years. What what have you made of of his sort of Celtic journey so far from what you've watched? Uh, the new contract marks an amazing turnaround in his career, I suppose, in his fortunes at Celtic. Uh, just since the new manager came in, well, Brendan Rodgers came in, um, he was he obviously started, as you said, under Lenny. Me impressed when he came into the team to start with, and then kind of fell out the scene a little bit um, under Ronnie. And then there was a lot about his contract, and they were very public the contract talks. And then I think that turned a section of the supporter against him. Um, he found it very hard within uh, in the first team in terms of getting back in from the stands and and it just it, it seemed like he was on his way out the door it seemed like he'd kind of um he'd had enough of the club and um i think there was just that level of he was fine to um to go on and pursue his career somewhere else um brendan rogers came in and just like he's done with a number of players really just gave him that confidence that like you're talking about a regular start gave him a position in the team gave him a focal point in the team as well and that like you're saying about the wide players and how important they are to allow the the central players in there and and he's thrived i mean his first season under brendan rogers he scored eight goals but importantly played 46 games and then uh, last season he scored 17 goals so so he's beginning to get more and more of an end product in there um, and allied to the, the assists that he gets. And I think um, that's maybe one thing that he struggled with with the rest of the team is just goals this season. He got a couple against Alice Kurt early on, but um, but he needs to probably start weighing in a little bit more. Yeah, he had such an excellent season last season, more than doubling his, his previous best mm-hmm. uh, goal tally. So he's got great heights to live up to this season as well. But just adding those goals into his game, it shows an amazing evolution that, that Brendan Rodgers has, has brought out in him in, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I felt, because I felt last season that, so the previous season it was down the left flank with uh, Scott Sinclair in particular, mm-hmm. that we were really, you know, he was flying in that first season. And so there, therefore, I think last season a lot of teams were doubling up on that flank to stop Sinclair and Kieran Tierney. And as a, a result, I think maybe it just gave just a slight bit more space for James Forrest down the right-hand side. So I think, again, maybe teams are now gravitating back to that other side to stop him. Um, but I think he's he's such an important player for us now. I, I, I think he's not only just in an attacking sense, but I think quite often the way we play... I think defensively, mm-hmm. he's he's really aware of of his role in terms of either helping the right back or if we play at three at the back, being that wing back who comes back into that position. I think he does that really well, and yeah. he's got, I think he's got good game awareness of what's going on around him, and I, I think that's that's something I think that's really developed over the last couple of years. Absolutely, I'm surprised he's not a regular for Scotland. I think that's one thing that um, he's been a bit unlucky there, and that you've got Ryan Fraser and people like that that are playing well in his position, but. You'd have thought last time out you'd have got an opportunity. Um, hopefully this time. It's just a Celtic tradition, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Going back many years. Um, now I'm sure James Forrest will play a big part in uh, th- Thursday's game, which uh, sees uh, Celtic meet Austri- Austrian champions in the uh, Europa League group stage, Salzburg. And now uh, these two teams actually last met back in 2014 in the Europa League group stages. 
And if you can't recall that away game in Salzburg, here's a little something that might jog your memory. Another awkward bouncing ball was sent forward, but Stepkovic controls forward to Cal McGregor, who's released Chris Commons. Chris Commons, inside right challenge, just taking off his toe at the last moment. McGregor now in the right touchline, tries to go to the byline, he's found the space, gets it into the middle. Commons is there. Romalo makes it away though. Scott Brown from distance, yes! and what a goal! Yes! A wonderful goal from the Celtic captain, who takes the plaudits of the travelling support. The ball into the middle from McGregor was nodded away by Romalo. And on the first time of asking, Scott Brown thumps it on the half volley. It took a bit of an awkward deflection, Pat Galassi, but he is not caring. It is Salzburg 1, Celtic 2. That was a fantastic effort from Scott Brown outside the box. Callum McGregor beat his man twice, put the ball into the box and it was cleared out. And just no hesitation again, just first time, strikes it in towards the goal and then it takes a deflection off Romalo and Celtic are 2-1 up. And that was some more spectacular commentary, uh, this time uh, Scott <laughs> Brown scoring in Europe. Um, now, Paul Scott has, has led Celtic through many big European nights and surely his experience will be crucial in, in this, what will be a really difficult game on Thursday. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that if, if he does play, which obviously he will because he's so important for us, it will be his 100th appearance for Celtic in Europe. I think he's up at 100, he'll be 105 because I think he played five times for Hibs in Europe before they joined us so for him to, to play a hundred times in Europe for Celtic is extraordinary and I think he's top and then James Forrest is, is behind him he's about 74 or 75 so you're right I think his experience is vital I think when we played the last time he obviously scored he was just coming back from injury and he uh, Ronnie Dyla I think had asked him to play which obviously he said he would he probably wasn't 100% maybe in his first game back mm -hmm. and I think he found it hard going and he said recently that they were one of the most uh, pacey, high-pressing teams that, that we'd played at the time or he'd faced. And I think we'll probably expect more of the same on Thursday night. So his experience will be vital. So they kind of probably play the way that, that we play as well. It's like not giving you, you know, as any time on the ball at the back. And any time we're on the ball, they're pressing quite high up. They get a really good result in, in Leipzig a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago. So it's a sign of their quality. They are the top seeds in the group. And... You know, to go over in one in Germany is is no mean feat. So, I think I think we're expecting a really tough game. But you know, I think they they won here, but we actually went over and got a really good two-all draw over in uh, Austria. So you know, if we could get that again, or take two-two on Thursday, wouldn't we? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd rather take two-nil. But <laughs> Craig, how difficult do you think it would be to replicate a, a result like that, or better even, and, and get a win in Austria on Thursday? I, I think it'll be tough. Um, Salzburg are a strong team. They, um, they're sitting nine wins in a row at the top of their league. Um, they won 4-1 against Wolfsburg at the weekend, of which, for preparation for this podcast, I've watched the goals on YouTube. Um, they were at this dedication for you, didn't it, Paul? Absolutely. They, I'm impressed. <laughs> they, um, they are, they've got a good team. They've got um, Haidara, the number four in the midfield. He's a Mali international. He's a strong runner, um, likes to break the lines. Um, he set up one of the goals on, on Sunday. Um, they've also got... Um, Done, uh, they've got Dubar up front. Um, he's Tony, uh, you sitting there thinking, thank goodness Craig's not doing the coverage for Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> Struggling with his pronunciations. My pronunciation isn't the best. <laughs> the YouTube clip is in German. <laughs> I'm struggling to keep up, if I'm honest. Um, the, he's an Israeli international, so he's uh, he got a double at the weekend. He's a big target man, so he could cause a few problems. And then you've got Andreas Omar, 
who's um, the captain and the left-back. Um, I think James Forrestal, like you were talking about, the defensive duties that he has, he'll have his work cut out with him. He likes to get forwards. Um, he's got a funny story, actually. He He's the one who um, famously in Champions League qualifier, I think it was, um, changed shirts at halftime. So came in with a Salzburg shirt on, went out with a Leipzig, a Red Bulls Leipzig shirt on for the second half and played the full second half in the wrong strip because essentially Nike had mucked up the order. So they had given one set of Salzburg kit and one, and, uh, one set of Leipzig kit. So when the players go in and refresh at halftime, change kits, nobody had noticed that his one was a, a Leipzig one. It was only after the game when the, players, when the press clicked it up that he was wearing it. So they were, so the Salzburg home top is the same as the Leipzig? Yep. Well, it was at that top. time. I don't know whether it's still right. still the case, but <laughs> it was. Um, it's only the name on the badge that was different. Right. So nobody actually spotted the fact that it's a different That's bizarre. team. bizarre. <laughs> it was quite strange. Um, but but yeah, I think it'll be, like you say, it'll be a tough game. I think they are um, they were unlucky to go out of the playoff stage. I think we mentioned that in a previous podcast against Red Star. They were 2-0 up with, what, about 30 minutes to go yeah, or something. They right. drew 2-2 at home, went out on away goals. But the fact they beat Leipzig um, just shows what quality they've got. Beat Leipzig away. And they're essentially the feeder club for Leipzig. So there's six, I think, ex-Saltzburg players playing for Leipzig that night. So there's, so it's kinda, it just shows the kinda, um, I suppose the recruitment they've got right, that they've got this conveyor belt of talent that keeps on coming through. I suppose the thing is, for us, if, if we... So obviously we won our first game against Rosenberg. If we could get something from the game, ideally mm-hmm. a win, but even if we could pick up a point, because you're looking to win all three of your home games and then picking up some points on yes, the road, yeah. it puts us after two games in a strong position before that tough double header against Leipzig. So there's everything to play for in terms of, of how we're going to play. And the manager, it's interesting, he kind of did indicate the other day that he might look at in terms of how he approaches the game and how he, he lines up against, because I think he's obviously expecting them to, to really come at us mm-hmm. and how, yeah. how he might line up against them, which would be interesting to see what kind of formation and tactics we're adopting Thursday night. Um, and then after Thursday's game, the games are coming thick and fast right now. There's very little time between then and Celtic's next game, which is on Sunday, which sees them travel back through to Perth to play St. Johnson, this time in the league. So that the last time we were there in midweek, it was a 1-0 win, courtesy of uh, Lee Griffiths, who scored and booked Celtic's place in the League Cup semi-final against Hearts next month. But uh, this... League game, Paul. What do you um, what do you expect from this? Do you, do you see it being much different to to the one that was just played? I mean, I think that night um, we created enough chances to have won the game about five or six. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, a combination of maybe poor finishing and some good goalkeeping denied us. And I think on the night, you know, we certainly deserve to get through. St. Johnson, I think the, their hope would be they're always I always find Tommy uh, Wright's team they're always quite dogged and determined, and they n- they never give up. That's what I, I quite like about them. But even if you're winning. 2-0 or 3-0 they just keep going I think that's just the way he's got them playing they do lack a bit of quality but you know that they maybe excelled a couple of years ago in their top six so they're kind of struggling to get back into that position they're to an extent their best hope might be that they're playing is you know less than three days after we've had a tough European game away in Austria mm-hmm. and I think sometimes for whatever reason the Thursday to Sunday is always a tougher shift than even the Wednesday to Saturday so they might be hoping to maybe capitalise on that, although I think you know our players are so used to doing that that I think we'll we'll go out and having got back to winning ways, having lost previously at Rugby Park, winning in the league against mm-hmm. Aberdeen, they'll not want to slip up again. And I, you know, I think it will be as it always is, always competitive. But I think we'll we'll do enough to win there. 
It's an important one as well, just coming into the international break. You want to keep that momentum going domestically, um, hopefully off the back of a good result on Thursday as well. I think uh, Tony Watt, formerly of this parish, obviously um, adds that level of quality. I don't know if he's back. He's been out with... Yeah, well, uh, get, he, I think he picked up an injury in that game because mm-hmm. he didn't come out after the, injury, the break. It? Yeah, so... So whether he's missing will be will be a bonus, but um, but yeah, I think I think we will have enough quality to to cause them plenty of problems in, on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. You imagine that the the manager will no doubt have to make some squad rotations given the the close proximity of both games, and St. Johnson will probably be hoping there'll be a sort of lack of stability in that team that they can try and take advantage of. That might be their their best hope coming into this Celtic side that there'll be quite a few changes. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, that's always the danger of rotating. It's this. Um, we seem to be getting a bit of a, a pattern of play. Um, obviously, Edwards' injury on on Saturday doesn't help that again. But it's um, there is that worry when players come in. But then it's up to them. We've got we've got a big squad. We've got a squad full of um, full of quality. There's major opportunities for the likes of Lewis Morgan, people like that, champing at the bit to come in. So there is um, there is that quality that's waiting in the wings. Ryan Christie's another one who who could come in and make a difference. So, so yeah, there is that worry, but at the same time, we've got quality in the, in the background. Yeah, I don't. I actually don't think he'll make that many changes on Sunday, partly because the international brain's mm-hmm. coming up, because suppose, yeah. then he'll look at it, then obviously there'll be players going away with their respective mm-hmm. countries, but then it's it's a break for players, so I think you'll want to go in, as you say, Craig, just go into the, the international break on the back of a another win, just to try and climb up the table, because just about everybody... Most of the teams ahead of us actually won at the weekend. I think mm-hmm. Hearts beats St. Yeah. Johnson 2-1, Hibs won, Kilmarnock won. So, you know, it's important that we we just get into that, that momentum and, and start climbing back up because it does look a bit strange, the table at the moment. <laughs> it's, it's a bit weird. Well, I think that's uh, everything for for this week's pod, so we'll we'll wrap up. Um, I, mean, I, I can't believe that you've actually hosted this and not boasted about the fact that last weekend you ran the Glencoe Marathon and finished 11th. <laughs> I would be shouting that <laughs> from the rooftops if it was me. I ran up the stairs and I was quite happy with it. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still recovering. I'm quite tired. I don't think even my brain's functioning properly, but yeah. That is an impressive... It was it was a miserable day, yeah. It was a lonely, miserable day running in the rain, um, just myself. And I'm glad it's over. I'm glad I've done it. I'm glad it's over. Actually, I made it even more difficult for myself. And I don't know if this was my fault, but a number of people also did this. But right at the end, um, I added another half mile onto it because there was a, a wrong turn, <laughs> but there were no clear, <laughs> no clear directional signs. So uh, a bunch of us, there must, I think there were about 15 people behind me just running alongside these cars asking passers-by where the where the finish line was and we, we heard somebody <laughs> over the megaphone calling in the finishes. So we, we eventually got there. Um, but yeah, I think I added another few minutes onto it, which was a bit gutting, but <laughs> glad it's over now and I can put my feet up for a bit. Well, well done. Amazing anyway. achievement, well done. Right, well, thank you. And uh, just to remind you, the latest issue of the Celtic View is available in print and digital now. So we will see you soon. And thanks again for joining us. And hail, hail.